Hello and welcome to episode 809 of The Daily Objective. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the 809th episode of The Daily Objective brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center, United Kingdom. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Owen Christensen. Um, he is a student of philosophy and a student of objectivism, but he is also a magician. And he's the author of a, a forthcoming book tentatively titled For the New Magician. I've had the privilege of reading some of this book. Uh, chapter titles in the book uh, include, uh, for example, Magic and Sense of Life. And I think just from those titles, you can see that he's very provocatively attempting to integrate objectivist philosophy with the understanding of what the role of the performance of magic is. And with no further ado, let me now uh, introduce uh, the, the objectivist world to Mr. Owen Christensen. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing as uh, well. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me, James. Well, my pleasure. I understand that you are a native of France. I don't mean to prejudice anybody. <laughs> I myself love French people, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, I must say I was blown away when I read your book, sir. One of the things that absolutely I found utterly, because as an objectivist, I'd never even thought about magic as a performing art, frankly. And like a lot of uh, secular people, atheists, I assumed that in effect, what a mag magician is doing is trying to deceive us into believing that magic is real, that uh, the, the causality is not does not always hold, uh, and that it's a violation of metaphysical realism, and the, in particular, uh, the axiomatic knowledge of causation. Uh, but one of the things that struck me was that it's precisely the opposite when it's good magic versus bad magic. So first, let's talk about bad magic, how we can evaluate, uh, you know, there are these frauds out there, these spiritualists, these mystics, who do attempt with their acts to fool people, and these gullible audiences go there uh, in order precisely to be, in effect, taken in. Is that correct? Yeah, that is precisely correct. Um, in fact, I would say the two, the two greatest that that can uh, term uh, be be used with them uh, would be Yuri Geller and John Edwards. Uh, John Edwards is a is a medium that claims to possess some supernatural insight that can that can that can be used, and it can range from the the use of of like reading someone's minds or to communicate with the, the dead, but which ultimately uh, is basically emo like emotional emotional manipulation on the part of the of the person that just lost his his close relative, relative unimportant value and he's sort of like saying like oh but it's all right don't worry uh, he's up there he's fine he's waiting for you something which on which is to some extent or actually fully um a, com a complete manipulation and an emotional one which i would say is even is, is even worse uh, a rather cruel that, manipulation to think oh, that yes. i can get you in touch with your dead mother or something yeah, I can, is, it's hard yeah. for me to imagine something actually more cruel uh since the spiritualist knows he's a fraud and not doing it mm. but yeah and jo uh, that's jo john john edwards that, that's john edwards yeah this other guy yuri geller what's what does he yeah. do yuri, so yuri geller claims to possess the ability to so what he calls his mind power which can which can range from spoon bending which he's the originator and so on of this of this movement of, of spoon bending all the way to politically influencing the results of elections. So 
after after this talk, if you want to go on Yuri Geller's um, Twitter, there's a tweet he made back in the UK elections between uh, between uh, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn, where he claims, and and you can see it, um, where he where he basically claims that uh, he sent a an energized spoon with positive energy to the UK so that Jeremy Corbyn could not be prime minister. So his magical spoon would have yeah. <laughs> And look, Mr. Johnson won. Mr. Johnson defeated. <laughs> so obviously Mr. Yeah. Magic Spoon won. Uh, yeah. What other uh, 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 claims has he made? Oh, made well, the, the, mo the most recent one was last year where he sent an open letter to Vladimir Putin saying that if Mr. Putin thought of and sent a nuclear missile to Europe, he would use, quote, every molecule of his mind power to build some sort of shield that possibly will one day protect us um, to deflect the shield. And then uh, the nations will use their, their, their political power to, um, to, uh, to, to literally retaliate. So he literally believes that his mind powers can stop yes. Russian <laughs> so there are these real frauds who really yeah. claim metaphysical magic. And their audiences are, of course, what you would imagine, people who are pre psychologically prepared to and are willing to believe that sort of nonsense. Yes. So that's, in a sense, bad magic, precisely because it assumes uh, sort of... Uh, the violation of the law of cause and it assumes the reality of magic and the supernatural. And in contrast with that, one of the things that I noticed when I read one of the most powerful arguments you make in the book, if I can just summarize it uh, in this way, for a good magic act to be appreciated, the audience cannot believe magic is real. For example, to take one of the classic uh, traditional illusions where the magician on stage will put a woman in a box and saw the box in half to make it seem as though the woman is being sawed in half. I know it's a bit of a cliche magic yeah, act, but if people actually believed that a woman was being sawed in half on stage, they wouldn't sit there calmly. There'd be people running up to help her, running up to detain the guy, calling the police, screaming, fainting, running from the theater. So if for two seconds people actually believed in magic, they, would, nobody in the audience would have that reaction. In fact, for me to appreciate the skill of the magician, for me to say, aha, there's something cool going on here. I have to know that there's a causality that's being sort of hidden from me. I have to know that there's a natural mechanism, but he's so good at it that he's making the illusion seem real. Uh, in other words, it, it's an, you have to know it as an illusion to appreciate the skill of the magician. So really only a metaphysical realist can appreciate the art of magic. Have I got that right? You, it, it is, it is on point. I would say, um, in effect, um, observe what would, what what would happen. Like, take take three three types of individuals. One that it, one that is completely um, a realist, thinks that that things are what they are, and they will act only in accordance to their identity. Then take on the on the complete other side, basically a schizophrenic who, who whatever he's seeing is anything is possible. Uh, something can be something at some point, and and the next it can grow legs and and do a, a backflip. Ba basically, those are the two extremes. But if you if you take that sort of like schizophrenic, very irrational premise, 
then when the magician does something impossible or or performs magic, then he would just think, well, yeah, that's that's just possible. So I don't I don't like it's just like one one like one other so fact. So if I really believed in magic, it would be exactly. no. Why would exactly. I go pay for to watch it? Exactly. <laughs> hey, look, magic happens every exactly. day. This is just one mm -hmm. of these guys who does magic every other day. What? No big deal. There'd be no show. There'd be nothing interesting. Certainly nothing worth paying for or bringing my friends to applaud if I really believed in magic. In mm -hmm. fact, the axiom here of uh, existence, the axiomatic of knowledge of ca causation is actually what the magician, the good magician, is relying on. And the good audience is calmly applauding to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because they know, in effect, it's a trick, but done so skillfully that it's being hidden. Because most of the time we can figure out cause and effect. And this guy's so skilled that he can now uh, make me think that. He... But you know something? All artists, in effect, have been accused of being liars. You know, painters even, or sculptors, oh, that's not life as it is. That's sort of stylized, exaggerated. That Hollywood film isn't realistic. You know, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, when they just meet, can't dance that perfectly. <laughs> All the kinds of rehearsals to get to dance that perfect. So people have often said art in general is a kind of deception. But uh, it, what you're saying here is that mag magic is not deception in, any more than those other arts are. Uh, all, all that the artist is doing, say the skilled dancer, is hiding all the practice. But and, and in a similar way, all the magician is doing is hiding the actual causation from the audience in a very skilled way. Precisely, and 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 I would and I would just go back very very briefly. The the big issue when it comes to magic is the fact that people have a mixed have mixed premises. They hold some realism. They hold they hold some some causality, but on the other hand, they do think that some things, some miracles are possible. And there's this conflict, which which means that at some point they can they when they see someone uh, sawing someone uh, in half, having a card appear somewhere, a coin disappear, reappear, or so on, the the instant the instant reaction is wow, astonishment, astonishment, because 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 that is not metaphysically possible so they're completely observing something incredible but then there's those other premises that they that they hold uh, as a psychological context which wants to like cash in and say but but wait a second um this this is supposed to, to not be metaphysically like it is metaphysically possible so there's this clash between causality and miracles uh between between the fact that things are what they are and another premise which would say that things are not what they are um, and and ultimately, this means that, for example, a lot of of people who observe uh, magic or magic performances will first react, astonishment, wow, incredible, and then there's going to be a little insecurity, a little fear, saying like, uh, but uh, wait, but I have to explain that thing because uh, it, it, uh, this this fact contradicts my entire my entire view of the world. Uh, it permits miracles and so on, and so then there completely their 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 mind is completely directed on how it is done rather than what is shown and what it represents and that's the main the main the main thing that's why the basic principle behind experiencing a, a piece of magic is to the extent that someone is a realist to the extent that someone observes the facts knows that that miracles don't exist basically 
then he can properly appreciate. He doesn't have to look into. Not like, worried about how it was done. Precisely. In most cases, you won't even try to figure out how it was exactly, done. Exactly. Most of the time, audiences cannot figure out exactly. what was done, and that's the skill of the magician. But only to the extent that you're a metaphysical realist and are certain that there was some hidden causal mechanism, can you truly appreciate the act from an aesthetic level? Yes, exactly. You and so the aesthetics of what is shown is, as with any other performing art, uh, the actor isn't lying. The, the, the storyteller of a fictional storytelling uh, story isn't lying. He's being an artist. He's representing reality. And just like the magician, he's representing reality. Now, what is that? What is the aesthetics of magic? Of magic what makes yes. the performance of a magic act um, potentially a romantic art in your view? Okay, so um, the the very basic, the very base, the the, the, the essentials basically is um, is in fact the um, magic when it's there, there's a relationship between the props, so the cards, the coins, uh, billets, plant, like rubber bands, whatever, and there's this relationship between the magician and the and the entity. So there's one question that underlies an entire piece of magic, a performance, if you will. Um, that question is who is in control? Is it the magician or is it the entities involved? Now, obviously we know that that entities will not sort of like grow legs and perform magic, but but what is shown is precisely that. It is the relationship between the magician. So if he so if he makes the magic possible, then he achieves the impossible. He gives he gives to the audience, um, uh, he gives them the possibility to experience a, meta, uh, a metaphysically impossible moment. Whether whether the entities are in control or he is in control, uh, that's that's the basic relationship, and that's what is shown in a piece of magic. So, to the extent that what's being shown is the magician's mastery over it, yes, exactly. he is he's make he's making the seemingly impossible look easy and effortless. Yes. Yes. Uh, and in that respect, he has to, he himself has to be an absolutist about the causation. Exactly, His exactly. skill has to be such that he presents as a master of reality. He's no more deceiving, say, than Fred Astaire doing something that I could never do, but he's dancing, uh, making the the seemingly impossible look effortless, as though he can float through the air, Fred Astaire. So the magician is sort of a hero, a romantic yeah. hero exactly. who is the master of reality and can make, no matter how difficult this is, seem effortless. Yeah, the, the, these are the two- Mastery that is being projected. Okay, I, I see from our producer yeah. that we yeah. may have a super chat question. Is that true, Daniel? Yeah, so uh, first, uh, Race, thank you for becoming a member. Uh, he became a YouTube member, thank you so much. Then Jonathan, he sent a super sticker, thank you so much. Jeff also sent a super sticker. Thank you so much. And then Rollet had a super chat comment in French. I'm going to try to say it, but then Owen might read it better. So it oh, says, <laughs> Bonsoir, Monsignor, enchante, enchant de faire votre connaissance. Likewise. I, I, I think most people can catch that. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it, it is it is astonishing, and I do urge people when the book comes out, especially my objectivist and philosophy interested friends, to read this book because it has some absolute things I had never thought from any particular angle about magic before. But it really does depend upon our 
axiomatic level understanding of causation and the audience who's the better the grip the audience has on reality that way the more they'll be able to appreciate the skill of the magician ignore that and then be able to see the aesthetics of it the performance the magician as hero the magician as master of reality and to conclude the point is it true that ayn rand herself enjoyed magic acts well, precisely in the I, so the name of the book always I'm, I always mix it up, but it's usually it's the 100 voices of um, an oral history of Ayn Rand. And so in in that in the I think it's the 1930s or 1940s section, um, uh, Frank O'Connor's niece is um, Ayn Rand's husband. Uh, Iron's husband um, uh, was interviewed. Yes, was it was interviewed to sort of like talk about well how it was to sort of like know Iron Rand and so on and so on, and she and she and she states actually that her husband was um, um, her um, her husband was um, was a magician, and and he had a very good relationship actually with the O'Connors because there was there was implicitly at least you and you can and you can sort of like see it uh, i'll i'll just read it the first um the two questions um so fabian was a magician and when we were first married i was the magician's assistant we did a, we did comedy ma magic presentation where i actually did more magic than he did ein frank and fabian go um go along amazing uh, famously excuse me um, my husband at the time uh, was with was, was with uso and hospital cam shows doing his magic act he had never met before, so we actually met them cold out in California in 1948. And the follow-up questions is, I think, the most important because it really shows the relationship between a piece of magic and the spectator. And so when when the when the interviewer asks her, "Oh well, um, why did they go on so well?" Uh, she answers, "I think uh, something uh, tremendous, which is he was very entertaining, and I, as brilliant and sophisticated as she was." was very childlike about a lot of things. She got a big kick out of them being a magician and doing tricks for her. And I think implicitly in that in that statement, it really shows how if you if you do if you do not um, accept that things are what they are, that they will act only in accordance to their identity. If you do not hold realism, then it's impossible to appreciate magic. You'll you'll there's there's gonna be this complete insecurity of like, oh, but um, how is it done? Um, uh, which, which completely deviates you from, from, the, from the view of life that is presented, which actually makes magic um, art with a, with a capital H. Just so fascinating a quote from Ayn Rand. Here, mm -hmm. of course, the woman is absolutely clear and certain about the law of cause, causation. She's never at any point in doubt about this. And what was funny is because they were USO acts. Uh, they were the group that would uh, entertain the troops when they were abroad. Uh, and this must have been during World War II. Uh, so during World War II, uh, Ayn Rand and her husband would uh, 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 interact with uh, her husband's uh, niece, who was a magician's assistant. And Ayn Rand herself was delighted at magic acts, even though she here she is the ultimate uh, metaphysical realist. And she doesn't even question, she's just delighted at the, the, the skill of what's uh, of the performance itself um and she and in that sense she's right on the all fours with you what she's delighted at is the skill and the aesthetic presentation of the mastery of the magician 
very fascinating because I've never even considered uh, magic as a performing art, much less magic as a romantic performing art. If, ladies and gentlemen, I, let me just take a moment here to give a pitch for Ayn Rand Center UK. These kind of discussions, uh, applying objectivism to every single issue under the sun, and you can see here that we are absolutely attempting to apply objectivism to every issue under the sun. It's the nature of philosophy. And what we're doing is creating a worldwide community of serious students of objectivism. And again, you can, you can see in just this interview, uh, that's what we're doing. If you think that's a valuable thing that we're doing here, I would ask you, I'd urge you, hit like on this YouTube video hit subscribe, share, comment, and do join uh, the Ayn Rand Center UK as a paid subscriber. There are all kinds of extra perks uh, that you get that aren't available through the, uh, such as these public uh, podcasts if you are a paid subscriber. So please consider becoming a regular paid subscriber to the Ayn Rand Center UK. We are doing, I think, important work. And if you agree, uh, please uh, contribute at whatever level you're, you're comfortable with. Going back to this, uh, is there anything else you'd like the audience to know at this stage? I, I, you know, I have to say that I think there's enough material here for us to do another interview, and I hope we do get a chance to do so. And I hope we get a chance to see you actually perform an illusion right here for perhaps a daily objective. But is there anything else that you, that, at this point, that you want the audience to know? The actually it would be it would be if i if i can and if i have the time of course to uh, to be able to to sell you to some extent on on the value of magic and why magic is a valuable art form as much as literature sculpture painting and so on and so on the because the very the very fundamental uh, relationship between the between the magician and the entities involved that he that he's using to achieve the impossible reflect two types of relationship Either he's achieving the impossible, or the entities are playing tricks on him. That that is, that is at least if you put aside the method, if you put aside how it's done, and you explicitly look at what is shown during a piece of magic, during a magic performance, those are the two fundamental relationships. But if you if you notice that it it it, it isn't metaphorical. It's not like the builder who actually builds a building and controls reality or achieves the impossible by 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 modeling his background to his to his needs, his values, and so on. In effect, the what is shown in a piece of magic is the literal efficacy or inefficacy um, uh, to deal with reality. Man's inefficacy and efficacy. Okay. The but 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 it's not in a metaphorical sense. It's in a literal sense. It's an it it takes that abstraction that principle that metaphysical value judgment that pertains to to one to one's fundamental character and expresses it in in its extreme form pure form to some extent and so to observe a piece of magic is to is to is to basically look at, a, at an extreme efficacy an extreme competence to deal with reality or on the other hand an extreme inefficacy to deal with reality an extreme incompetence to deal with reality and so, and so that, and so that what we're getting is a sense of life injection. In effect, exactly. our sense of life is either either we look at man as efficacious, humanity is competent. We there's nothing a human being can't do if he puts his mind to it. Uh, this sense of metaphysical efficaciousness and the power of humanity is the sense of life that's actually presented in a good magic act. 
Whereas a bad magic act is actually undermining our confidence in that. The greater his skill, it, it's a, it truly is. In that case, it's not a, a stylized recreation of reality. It's actually a deception. There it is an aesthetic deception, in effect, manipulating people psychologically. Precisely. And I would even go further as to say that, that, some, that some pieces of magic present like like if you if you put aside Yuri Geller, John Edwards, and those and those frauds, and you and you take magicians that are, that that consider themselves artists and project a malevolent sense of life, a malevolent view of of um, of life, even even those those magicians and those pieces of magic show that that extreme inefficacy. You you can almost perceive, um, directly perceive this malevolent universe sort of controlling man and like playing around with him like he's trying to grab a, a glass of water but he can't because like i like either the, the water disappeared or so on and um and and that's the real value of magic the, the value of magic lies in the fact that it shows one's basic premise conviction and emotion towards reality and puts it in this extreme stylized um, view and so when you have that benevolent view of life, that 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 competent, that sort of like inner competence to deal with reality, then you can look at a piece of magic where the magician achieves the impossible as something just refueling for your soul to some extent because you, you directly perceive the 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 extreme efficacy that man can have to to sort of like deal with reality and how not to feel after seeing that complete com complete relief and complete confirmation that you are able to deal with reality and to move on um, and live. Wow, fascinating. Daniel, do we have any more super chats? We have one more super chat from Frank. He's asking, can James explain the magic of Jesus's miracles? No, in fact, there are <laughs> actual violations of the law of cause and effect. Um, the, when a fraud engages, in fact, in the ancient world, that's what a lot of magic was it was for real it was to deceive even though the magician himself knew that it was a trick he was to deceive people into believing in the supernatural that he was an agent of a god or in jesus's case the jewish god uh and it was a religious deception many devices in fact from the ancient world were designed just to do that to deceive people doors of temples that would open up you know, when the priest uh, you know would come to them uh, that continued into the christian world by the way uh, well into the Renaissance, popes would magically open the door of St. Peter's uh, <laughs> at the correct day, so that God would show the masses that God was opening the doors. Uh, <laughs> and people were still being taken in by that kind of fraudulent magic, which I would say is the exact opposite of what Mr. Christensen is talking about here, that sort of requires that the, the, the audience calmly applaud as the lady gets sawed in half, <laughs> which is uh, extraordinary. Um, thank you for the super chats, and I want to thank everybody for the super chats. Coming up later today, in fact, in just a couple of minutes, we've got coming up uh, the new reality show, our group panel discussion, and today we'll be talking about the hot new movies that everyone's talking about, Oppenheimer and Barbie, so you can't miss that. Um, is there anything else, Daniel, that, that I need to tell the audience? Last minute super chats, and then we wrap up. Bonnie, thank you so much for the super chat. She's asking, does Oban have ma magician heroes? Um, Good question. I do have two. Uh, my first hero is uh, Perseus Archimanes, who is uh, an Aristotelian magician. He is explicitly an advocate of, and, and, is, and is, I would say, one of the father of the romantic movements in magic that is slowly growing. 
And so I would say that he's one of my heroes and he's the one that, that, will, be, that I will be publishing the book with. Uh, so thank you, Perseus, if you're watching. And, uh, and my second hero would be, uh, would be Teller for two reasons. First, because he, he, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he, he took some classes with Dr. Peikoff um, and he projects uh, most of the time with, with, his, with his magic partner, um, uh, Penn, excuse me, Penn and Teller, so on. I, I, was, I was really confused there. Um, well, they Penn and Teller have the biggest magic act in Las they, Vegas. Exactly, and, and, a lot of their, and a lot of their performances project, as I, as I was saying, like man as achieving the impossible, uh, concretizing man's extreme efficacy to deal with reality. Just look at the bullet, like if you have time after this, this uh, interview, <laughs> look at the bullet catch act. Right, they'll catch the theme, a bullet. The theme <laughs> is man's control over danger. Look at that. Look at, I'll let you um, observe it and contemplate and it. And it isn't an accidental thing that so many of the most famous magicians have been mystic debunkers or spiritualist debunkers. Houdini, the amazing Randy, uh, 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 Penn and Teller, they're all well-known skeptics of mysticism and they're and they've all in, to some extent attempted to debunk those true mystics out there in the magic world by showing how the tricks are done uh, by these frauds. Fascinating, fascinating. I do hope we have a chance to have another interview with you and, where you can perform an illusion for us. Are there any questions, Daniel? No more questions. Okay, well, we're running out of time. And as I say, I hope we'll have a second interview with Owen. Uh, please come back if you can. Uh, this is a fascinating topic. But in the meantime, everyone, check out uh, the reality show coming up in just a few seconds. It's gonna be a good one about, about the recent movies that everyone's talking about. And in the meantime, best premises. <laughs>